Hello, ho, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to another episode of So Married a Horror Fan. A little bit of spreading that Christmas cheer. We are in, nope. we are in the Christmas spirit. Um, it's the end of the year. It's the end of twenty. Well, I mean, there's still a couple of weeks left, but for for any significant reason, it's basically the end of the year. Um, so we are here today to discuss our best of twenty twenty three. I am Simon. I'm Lee. Or she's going to be known for the next couple of minutes. Easily distracted. Sorry. Get out of your pizza shack. Sorry. See you, Southern Mike. See you, Northern Mike. It's Northern Mike who's posted the message. See you, see you, Northern Mike <laughs> from Pizza Eaters who do amazing t-shirts. Everybody check them out. <laughs> www.pizza-eaters.com <laughs> Stay away from my wife, Northern Mike. <laughs> Stop! Stop! Riven, risen her up in. Uh, He's messaging about his wife. Stop! Stop! Risen her up in Golden Virginia and White Lightning. You little scumbag. <laughs> Love you guys. Shout out. I'm not actually wearing a pizza eater shirt right now, which is a surprise. I'm, I'm wearing a. You are. Oh, I'm yeah. not. I was like looking at you. Is this pizza eater as well? They they made my sick Hellraiser three shirt that I wore when we went to the murder mystery dinner. Yes, they did. I wore a. Um, what was I wearing? I was wearing my um, panhandle behaviour t shirt. Yeah. From. Uh, There's so many fucking. Small town murder. So many fucking pizza eat, eaters, stickers and shit in our house. Yeah. While we're on the subject of plug and t shirt companies, pizza eaters, uh, bloody altar, hell on shirts, hunger club, final boss. Those are your guys. Uh, you want gaming shirts, Hunger Club and Final Boss. You want horror shirts, music shirts, other kinds of shirts. Bloody Aura, Pizza Eaters, Hell on Shirts. They got you. We're not sponsored by those guys. We're if they want to sponsor us, send us free t-shirts. We're sponsored by Pepsi. It's the choice of a new generation. <laughs> um, so. Oh, pink. Different. No, it's orange, isn't it? It's got no, a little... it's pink. It's a little oh. pink pill. I can't what it is. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Enough pizza eaters and Wayne's World references. Twenty twenty three has been a mad year for horror. Uh, I said this to you earlier. I th- I said last year I watched more horror movies, but I had an easier time putting my list together. Whereas this year I've watched less horror movies, and I had a harder time putting my list together. Um, how many horror movies overall do you think you watched this year? Oh, movies. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I watched twenty-five. <coughs> I watched twelve and three TV shows. Mate, the problem—the problem with this year is there was some stuff that we didn't get in this country. Um, so we we still to this day don't have distribution in this country for Last Voyage of Demeter. And then there was a bunch of stuff that just dropped like in the second half of the year. The first half of the year is really quiet, and then like. Come September, October, they just started like pumping out content. We had like Totally Killer, Exorcist Believer, Five Nights at Freddy's, Talk to Me came out on Netflix. Uh, you had like Dark Harvest, Cobweb, Suitable Flesh, like loads of movies came out. And Shudder, God bless. A list of films that I have not seen. <laughs> Shudder, God bless them. I love Shudder, but Shudder, like, every. Literally every day, Shudder like, hey man, have you seen this Armenian horror movie about a genocidal penguin that came out in like three countries like one year ago, but it's now getting wide distribution and we bought it. Like, do you want to watch it? And I'm like, no, but I would watch that movie. I would watch, oh, yeah, I would, I would watch, watch a movie about an Armenian penguin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sh- like 
I swear to God, like as we're recording this, the day this drops, there'll be like another new movie on Shudder that we couldn't have, like we couldn't have seen because we chose to do our list. But like Shudder are crazy. I can't, I genuinely cannot keep up with the amount of content that Shudder puts out. But it's a good problem to have because they are constantly dropping a lot of under the radar stuff. But 2023, much like 2022, had a. I think we should probably talk about some of the stuff that came out this year that's probably not going to be on many of our lists or just in general. But like this year, we had like another resurgence of franchises. We had Evil Dead Five, Evil Dead Rise. We had Scream Six. We had like a new Exorcist movie. We had like you know a Five Nights at Freddy's, which is a big giant IP movie. We had like the return of holiday slashes with like Thanksgiving and It's a Wonderful Knife. We had more Stephen King adaptations. Um, we had like. No successful Blumhouse movies this year, except Megan M. Freegan was M. successful, I think. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit of a weird year for horror. Like, there's a lot of stuff that came out this year that was like really, really hyped up that I that didn't connect with me. Like, I'm just gonna say it outright. It's a spoiler. Like, talk to me if you guys listen to that talk to me episode that we that I did. Like, I did not enjoy that film at all. I don't think you enjoyed it either, did you? Because we no, watched it, we not. watched it together, didn't we? And we were like, "No, I did not." It, it had was... a really great opening, and then quickly fell off. And I was yeah. like, "Oh, yeah." Um, so yeah, there was like stuff like that that was like really hyped up. When Evil Lurks, uh, which I haven't had a chance to check out yet, because it's a Shudder movie, and I've just I just didn't get around to seeing it. And that's kind of like the problem is there's like loads of stuff that came out that I kept going, yeah, I'll get around to watching it. Yeah, and like I, I had just... like a little list, and I kept saying, oh, "I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it," and I. Uh, Still don't watch any of them. I can tell you off the top of my head stuff that I haven't seen this year, so don't expect to see it on my list. I didn't get to see Dark. I didn't get around to seeing Dark Harvest. I didn't see When Evil Lurks. I didn't see Cobweb. I didn't see uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter because we it's just not out over here yet. Um, I didn't get to see uh, there was something else that was quite significant that a lot of people talked about. I can't for the life of me remember what it was. There was only two major ones that I wanted to hit that I didn't, Mm. and that was I wanted to watch Sorry About the Demon, Mm. Sean Shudder, Mm -hmm. and uh, Angry Black Girl. And that was the other one, yeah, that was the other one that I didn't didn't get get a chance to see. But I was gonna watch it today, but then I got distracted. (laughs) Yeah, so it's been kind of like an up and down. There was like a spell at the beginning of the year where like a bunch of stuff came out and then it quietened down over the summer and then it ramped up again in the second half of the year. Um, I don't know if there was anything really significant that you wanted to mention because I think I hit most of the stuff. No. But then there's like, there's stuff that when I was putting this list together that I'd completely forgotten about, like the pale blue eye, which came out in January. I don't remember that. And I was like, that's technically a horror movie. I don't remember watching it. <laughs> and, like, again, there was, like, weird, like, delays in releases as well. Like, Sick, the Kevin Williamson slasher movie that, that was, like, set during COVID came out in January on Peacock. We didn't get it in the UK until, like, fucking October. Oh, um, I don't watch that either. And there's, like... So it was a bit of a... It was a bit of an up and down year. I, I think it was less franchise-heavy than what last year was. But I still think a lot of the big stuff didn't necessarily hit with me. But... 2023, I guess, was a, a banner year for horror. There's there's always there some... A lot of, there there's a lot of horror films There's out. a lot of shit out. Um, so, uh, do you want to go first? 
Uh, yeah, sure. Do you want to explain how this one differs from like our normal one? So normally we do a three honorable mentions and then a top five, and we go back and forth. Can you not? This... Can you not do that weird voice? In this occurrence, um, so what we'll actually do instead is we've got our top ten of the year. We'll just do back and forth. So I'll do my ten, he'll do his ten. I'll do my nine, he'll do his nine. So on, and so forth. Same as with our five by fives, though. If we do have the same on our list, it will get bumped to the highest place it places on whoever's list is. I don't think there's going to be any crossover on our list. I feel like there's not. I think we're safe. I think we're good. One of them, three of the ones on my list you haven't seen, so. That you know of. You don't know my life. You don't know what I do when you're asleep. That sounded way creepier. Sounded way creepier <laughs> than you needed it to. So thanks for that. Okay, so my number 10. Crawling back to quite early in the year, back before all the major disappointments in my life, uh, there was a show on Netflix called Lockwood & Co, which has been cancelled. Are you seriously having this? Yeah. Okay. It's about, like, ghost hunters. Okay. Why am I not allowed Lockwood & Co? Just, I didn't really consider it to be a horror thing, but sure. It very much is. Okay. So for anyone who wasn't aware, it was a Netflix show based on a series of books. Also called Lockwood and Co. Um, and it follows three teenagers who run a ghost hunting and uh, removal service, I guess is the best way to word it. Um, and it's set in like a basically reality versus ours, but basically up until like your early 20s, you can see ghosts and ghosts are like commonplace in the world. And Lockwood and Co. follows one of those come well a new company called Lockwood & Co who are basically run by the teenagers who can see the ghosts. And it was wildly enjoyable. I had so much fun watching it. And then Netflix turned around, like they often do with things that I love, and went, no, you're not getting any more of that. Go fuck yourself. Not gonna lie, mate. Didn't watch it. No, I know you didn't. Hence, I said there's three things on my list you haven't seen. <clears throat> um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. It was a really interesting, because it's kind of a YA franchise... It was a YA horror show as well. It wasn't spectacularly scary, but I'm taking it because it was technically a YA like supernatural show. Do you know what? I'd like... It was very <coughs> enjoyable, and the three kids in it were fantastic. Just, just as an aside, I'd love to know what Netflix make their money on now, because Netflix always used to promote themselves as like the only place you could see Orange Is the New Black, only place you could see House of Cards, only place you could see. Like Daredevil, but then I'm like, they don't really make that much new content anymore. And any new content they do make, they just keep cancelling. And like, but they seem to be making money off of content that they license for streaming. Because uh. like, Love Is Blind is not a Netflix show, but like, they obviously have the rights to air it, to, to air it in certain markets. Yeah. But yeah, it does. Netflix's whole thing does confuse me because like, Lockwood and Co is really popular. Yeah. When it aired, that got cancelled. Uh, they did the same thing with Julian the Phantoms. That was really popular. Mm-hmm. That got cancelled. They've just cancelled Shadow and Bone, which was basically one of their flagship shows. Mm. Like it was wildly popular. Uh, they cancelled Warrior Nun. I didn't watch it, but I know Warrior Nun was yeah. very, very popular. I think I think they make money off of like third party licensing now. Like they make some of their own original content, but like a lot of the stuff, like because they used to show. Rup- RuPaul's Drag Race, didn't they? But yeah, they that's lost... now done through MTV. their own. No, 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 no. 
Yeah, the new season's going to be on MTV. But the actual streaming is through World of Wonder. They have their yeah. own streaming service. And then MTV, it. like, air it a day later in certain places yeah, or whatever. Yeah, in, like, America and stuff. But, yeah, that's... It's it's mad to me, like, that Netflix... I don't know. I don't really know. But then, to be fair, like, I feel like... This is a weird tangent, but a lot of the streaming services that, like, pride themselves on their own original content, nobody's, nobody's getting the streaming service for the original content. Like, we don't have Amazon Prime because I want to watch fucking Jack Reacher. We have it so I can get packages delivered like, I mean, within 12 hours. to be fair, coming next year, I'm going to be very excited that we have Amazon Prime because they are doing the third season of Leverage Redemption. I'm going to cancel it. I'll fucking pay for it. <laughs> Not missing But you know what I mean, that. though? Like, like I don't sit there and go, oh, man, I, I, I fucking got Disney Plus because I want to watch fucking... I mean, we did kind of get Disney Plus originally for, like, all the Marvel shows and stuff. Bro, I got it so I could watch Lemonade Mouth on demand. Yeah, <laughs> and like <laughs> Mandalorian and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disney is one of the only ones that is still, like, rolling out a lot of original content on there. But then they're also pulling stuff off to save money. Like, they cancelled the Spectacular... They took the Spectacular Spider-Man show off of there the other day. Mm. Don't know. Mm. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Yeah, so Lockwood & Co. That's my number 10. There we go. My number 10 is a film from this year. (laughs) Really? Uh, It's The Boogeyman. I haven't seen it. Uh, Based on the short story by Stephen King. Directed by Rob Savage, who did Dashcam and Host, which Mm. we both liked. We both enjoyed Host. I think we both thought Host was good. We did think Host was good. Um, And... Yeah, this is his first like big mainstream film. It's got Sophie Thatcher in it from Yellow Jackets. It's got uh, Chris Messina, the guy from I think that's his name. He's in uh, fucking the Harlequin movie, and he's in uh, Devil. You know the guy I mean. He's the guy who plays Victor Zaz in Harlequin, and he's like the cop guy in Devil. Yes. Yeah. So he's in it. Uh, David Desmouchin's in it, just hanging out, doing stuff. But it's really good. Like, it's a really interesting film. Like, it's one of those movies where I was like, it's going to be like a mainstream horror movie. I watched it on fucking Disney+. Plus, and I wasn't really expecting a lot from it. But I thought it was, for for like a mainstream horror movie, that's like a big, it was like a summer film. I thought it was very good. The actual boogeyman itself was really interesting. Like, I thought the creature was very interesting. I like the fact that they didn't explain where it came from or what it was they were literally just like it showed up it did a thing it transferred to this family and now it's doing a thing over here um but yeah i thought it was, i thought it, i didn't i didn't think it was particularly scary it's one of those movies like it's a very dark film in the sense that it's very poorly lit and a lot of stuff is done in the dark to kind of make you think is it there is it not kind of like with the night house but it's not as well made as the night house but then again it's a completely different film but, like, there's a few really good jump scares in it. And I th- I thought the end was quite good when they actually confront the boogeyman. And, like, they do what they do with it. Um, and there's some really good family drama in it. It's not one of those movies that I'll probably watch a lot. But as, like, a, I'm working from home. I need something to watch in the background. It was It was good. And it kind of showed that Rob Savage is more than a, hey, man, I can do this found footage thing. I could actually direct a movie with a budget and like a proper and still put in some effective stuff in it. So, yeah, it was good. Hmm. Excellent. I'm going to do a slight, a slight detour 
now oh, out of film and TV because I read a story today that is going to give me nightmares for the foreseeable future. Hey, it's not. It's not. It came out this year. Yeah, but it's horror films. And it doesn't matter. Oh, it's being for added. God's sake. So, for anyone who doesn't know this, over Halloween this year, Amazon did a six-issue short series of novellas with popular horror writers. Uh, so like Joe Hill, Grady Hendrix, uh, Paul Tremblay are three of the guys. I can't believe the other ones are. And Grady fucking Hendrix. Is this the ankle snatcher? The ankle snatcher. I will not be getting out of bed without turning my light on. You know our bed doesn't have a bottom. There's a little gap though. There's yeah. a little gap. Okay. Um, so I read it today. I've been working my way slowly through all six of the stories. <clears throat> <clears throat> I've not been massively impressed. I quite like Joe Hills, but... Did it come out this year? Unsurprisingly, yeah, Halloween this year. Uh, unsurprisingly, I, I fucking... I'd, I'd, I would probably read Joe Hill's shopping list, to be honest. But the Grady Hendrix, for one who generally writes more comedy horror, I would say, is his bread and butter quite often. Uh, the Angle Snatcher is... It's like a 52-page novella. It's not very long at all. And it is creepy. And it's basically about the boogeyman. Mm-hmm lives under your bed and it starts out i won't actually know i'm not gonna tell you what the plot is because i don't want to it's very short you can go read it and it's free on amazon prime it's free on amazon prime but um but it's really well written i was not what i was expecting from an author like grady hendrix because i know him as being like he writes the funny horror stuff like it's a bit odd bit off-putting i literally have super a, silly i have a copy of my best friend's exorcism in the drawer my next, copy of best friend's exorcism is in the bed. drawer next to the bed yeah because i still haven't read it because you keep you've got it squirreled away in a drawer <laughs> that film is terrible i keep wondering where the fuck it's gotten to and i'm like oh yeah it's in the fucking drawer next time it's bed uh but like i would highly recommend it like if you have a spare it's it's 52 pages like a spare mm-hmm. half an hour if you're a slow reader i guess um or an average reader, 52 pages, about half an hour. And you have just some time to kill and an Amazon Prime subscription. If not, I think it's like 99p. It's not very expensive on Amazon. Uh, it's a really creepy fucking story. Mm. And it's about like a generational boogeyman, basically. It's very enjoyable and I would highly recommend. Jordan Peele's boogeyman. Jordan Peele's boogeyman. <clears throat> my number nine I think is actually going to shock you because I, I think you'd think that I don't like I think that you think I don't like this movie as much as I do okay uh, number nine on my list coming in hot directed by Kyle Edward Ball we're all skin them a rinking around uh, yeah skin them a rink okay um so I wanted to play Skin and Marink higher on my list. And the only reason why I didn't is because it's such a tough film to watch. Like, it's not a, uh easy experience. Um, I remember watching it, how, like, it, you were intended to watch it. I remember sitting in the dark, in the house, with all the lights off. Did you watch it when I wasn't here? No, you were in the room. Because you were sat next to me, but you were playing like Sims or World of Warcraft or some That's, shit. Yeah, probably. And I turned all the lights off and I kind of just focused on the TV. And as hard as it is to watch, because it's not like a linear like story, it is essentially just two kids in a house like at night time. And a lot of it's done in like 
cartoon like a lot of it is like showing cartoons on the TV, like flickering stuff on the walls. But I reviewed this when it came out, and there are certain scenes in this movie that have like stayed with me. And I found myself thinking about it for a really long time afterwards, which is kind of to me suggests that it's a really good film. And like I kept thinking about what it what it was really about, and I was like, is it just about children being in a house and like the things that you find scary when you're a kid, you know, like when you get up in the middle of the night and like you see something on the side and you think it's something else, or is it actually a film about child abuse? Like, are the kids dead? Like, you know, there's one scene in particular that that really like genuinely chilled my blood, and I was like, what the fuck is this? So that's the reason why it's a movie that I will probably never rewatch because of how hard going the experience of watching it is. But as something that is like a different form of horror storytelling, I found it to be really interesting. And like it came from somebody that submitted it because Carl Edward Ball used to make videos on YouTube based on people's nightmares. So people would submit a nightmare to him and then he would make a short based on it. And I think that's what this is based on. Mm. But it was all filmed in like his childhood house, uh, which have led people to believe that maybe it was about his childhood and things like this. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting, I've, and it's kind of like it's known as like analog horror. Uh, it's just kind of like this new subgenre that they tried to coin this year. That and liminal horror, which is what the back rooms, back rooms is. is horror. Mate, the back rooms is some shit, man. That is some fucking. Liminal, I quite like liminal horror because it, you can find like liminal spaces basically anywhere. Do you know the mad thing is though, like it was all uh, AI, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, James and Chelsea did a podcast on liminal horror. I think it was either they did it on liminal horror, they did it on the back rooms, and they yeah, it's all created in like there's this one like gaming program that you can buy. I can't remember what the program is. But yeah, the dude who made it just made it all like none of it is real. No, I know. Like it's all mapped out in like a, and I was like, that's fucking insane. And like, <clears throat> it takes your brain a while to figure out like how big or how small or how far away the spaces are. But yeah, the back rooms completely irrelevant to this list. But check that shit out. That shit is fucking terrifying. That big fucking spidery fucking whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Get in the fucking bin, mate. Resident Evil 9, The Back Rooms. Uh, yeah, go on. What's your number eight? My number eight, I think you were a little bit annoyed or you'd figured out that I was going to put this on my list because you're not entirely convinced it's a horror film. I'm going with it because it's horror adjacent for me personally and that is A Haunting in Venice. Yeah, okay. Can... I can understand why, can't you? 26 then, I guess, I watched, if, you, if we are classing that as a horror movie. I can understand why... Like, and a lot of the horror content creators and, like, magazines and stuff posted about it. Exactly. Uh, so, Hoarding of Venice was this year's outing for... Poirot. Poirot. Um, and after the disappointment of Death Mate, on the Nile... Death on the Nile was shit. was terrible. The first one was good. The Orient Express was great. Uh, Death on the Nile was terrible. A Haunting in Venice was unexpected mm-hmm. i think is the best words for it for anyone who hasn't seen the film and or is not aware of the agatha christie novel was this one also directed by it kenneth was Blair? kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Is he directed all of them i believe so okay. yes uh it takes place in venice obviously at a i want to say it's like an old convent yeah it's, it's some like kind orphanage. of like some kind of like old house 
place. He's thing in orphanage. That has multiple the rooms church. In yeah. It. yeah. And it takes place over the course of one night. Uh starts out with the death of Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, who is Spoilers. a Huh? Spoilers. Spoilers. Who is I mean, I feel like would he can't really spoil it. it's a fucking old book at this point. Um who is a spiritualist, I wanna say is probably the best thing. She she can contact the dead. And it kind of goes from there, but it also brings into the idea of like being haunted by the past. Uh, Pyro starts seeing ghosts that get explained later, but throughout the film he sees like the ghosts of the children who lived there previously. Uh, and it is fucking creepy. We also get a locked room mystery mm-hmm. for one of the deaths, which is great. I love a locked room murder. <laughs> Can't beat them. Uh, but it's a really good film, and it is weirdly creepy. Yeah, I will. I will give it to Kenneth Branagh. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Kenneth Branagh's work. Like, I will happily like never watch his Frankenstein ever again. Having said that, I watched his Frankenstein movie about three weeks ago when I was off work. And yeah, that... you hate it, but you watch it. It's like us with Twilight. Yeah, you mate, hate watching. Like, I oh, I hate watch that movie because it's got a fucking amazing cast, and I'm like, and Helena Bonham Carter's in it, and I'm like, this movie's so, so fucking good, um, but it's fucking shit. Um, yeah, but like, I'm not the biggest fan of the movies that he's directed. I think it all depends on like his attachment to the material. I do think he should stop fucking starring in movies that he directs, though. Yes. Because he directed that fucking Jack Ryan movie with Chris Pine in it, and he was the fucking villain in it. Yeah. He was in Frankenstein, and he's in all three of these movies. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a bunch of other movies that he's fucking in that he's directed. Um, and I think... Like he's a he's a decent actor. Like let's not beat around the bush. He's a fucking like Shakespearean. He's a fucking he's 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 the dude when it comes to like acting. But I do think sometimes his directing is a little off, and I think there are certain times when he rushes a bit too much, mm. um, and that's what I've always been kind of like with his Poirot stuff particularly. A little bit like you're just trying to get to the end. Like yeah. you're you're you. He's almost he's almost like a kid who's got a secret. And he's like, I just can't wait to tell you. He's like, I can't wait to reveal how good my ending is. Whereas this movie actually felt quite patient. Yeah, and he actually drew the mystery out. really well. Like, the mystery is drawn out. And the thing is, it's not just a singular mystery. As you work through it, like, there's a lot of other little mysteries going on around it as well. Like, with the brother and sister, I want to say that. Yeah. <coughs> and, like, just the history of the house and everything like that. Um... You know, it's just a it's a really well put together, really paced out film. And yeah, surprisingly creepy for a Poirot film. A couple of good jump scares in it. There's some great jump scares. It kind of makes me wonder what it would be like if he actually committed to making like a proper horror film. Like, I say this like he didn't direct Frankenstein, but Frankenstein's not really a horror no, movie. No, it's a, it's a gothic romance. It's the fucking, it's the remains of the day with a fucking corpse in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. But yeah, it's my number... Seven. Number eight. No, seven. No, eight, you are right. Because <laughs> here's, here's my number eight. You ready? Yeah. I thought you liked me. Why don't you like me? I'm going to be a star. Oh, Pearl. Yeah, I debated so hard <coughs> whether to put this movie on our list. On my list, because technically this movie did come out in the US last year, so it is technically a 2022 movie, but it didn't get released in 2023 in the UK. So as far as I'm concerned, we are a UK-based podcast. 
it had a UK release date this year. So therefore, that's why, after consulting the people of Twitter, I decided to put it on my list. Um, Thank you, people of Twitter, because I've been nagging him about the fact that he can put it on his list for about three months. I thought this movie was better than X. That's not difficult. Uh, Purely because they let... I mean, I, I know... Spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen X. Uh, I know Mia Goff obviously plays two parts mm-hmm. in X. She plays Old Pearl and then she plays Maxine. Well, this is obviously the prequel of how young Pearl becomes like old Pearl. crazy old Pearl. And I just thought it was a really interesting film. Like It's a really interesting character study. It's very bright. It's very colourful. It has that like old golden age of Hollywood feel to it. And like a lot will be said about Mia Goff in the coming years. But she is fucking tremendous. She was in that and she was in Infinity Pool this year. Infinity Pool very nearly made my list, but I wasn't as keen on it as I thought maybe I was at the time. Um, But yeah, I think Pearl is really interesting. I'm very excited to see where Ty West goes with Maxine um, and how he ties this trilogy off. But yeah, as a showcase, there's like a scene towards the end of Pearl where it's like, a, an unbroken monologue and then the camera like freezes on Mia Goff's face as the credits roll and she's just there like with a frozen face like crying and it's just like she's such a good actress and she's really really good in this the dude who's her love interest in this is going to be Superman uh, David Corrinsweat is going to be the new Superman so that's pretty cool um, yeah and you get to see the uh, you get to see the uh origin of the alligator kill because she does the alligator kill in this that's also in uh, x but yeah pearl great film really enjoyed it 10 out of 10 would recommend excellent uh my number seven is the blackening do you know what nearly very nearly made my list i felt like i felt like this was going to be one of the films that we had crossover with um and i guess Spoiler alert, we are covering it in the next couple of months. Yes, I won't talk about it too much, but this movie is fucking enjoyable. Like, legitimately. Uh, it's interesting to see a, a all-black slasher movie cast. Uh, obviously, general rule is you're not white, you die first. My favourite thing was the poster that had all of them on and it said, we can't all die first, which I thought was... And I do love that they repeatedly referenced the fact that um, you know, they're black characters in a horror situation. Yeah. Um, one of them has got to die first and it becomes a question of who. Hmm. Uh, and it reminds me of the conversation, sorry, we had a work night out not that long ago in which we'd had a discussion about who would die first in a horror movie situation. Uh, only one member of my team is not white. <laughs> and literally they kept arguing. They were like, you can't just keep saying him. And I was like, but horror movies dictate. And they turned to him and went, what, who do you think could die first? A horror movie went, me, because I'm not white. <laughs> and it has become, it's become a, I mean, it, we're getting better. It's not always the black person who dies first in horror films now. Uh, but as a general rule, they die pretty early on, if not the first person. Uh, so I thought The Black Lane was a really interesting take on what happens when it is a full non-white cast mm-hmm. in a situation like that. Yeah. And it's also really funny. Oh, it's like... hilarious. <clears throat> and they reference so many other horror films and the fact that it's always the black person who dies first. Yeah, like they make references to like Saw, The Collector, to Jordan Peele movies. Jordan Peele comes up a few times in it. Uh, it's directed by Tim Story, who's the guy who made the 2005 Fantastic Four movie. 
and the sequel, he made the Barbershop movies, and he made, movies are great. Uh, he made the Ride Along films with Kevin also Hart and Ice. Ice Cube. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I thought this was really enjoyable. They've already greenlit a sequel. I don't think it needs a sequel, but this was a very, very, very fun film. Yeah, it kind I of. I don't know how you'd play it into a sequel because I do feel like it kind of ends on a very distinct. Yeah. Like, it ends. And I kind of, I kind of feel like it's the first horror parody that I've seen in a really long time that kind of captured the magic of the first scary movie movie. Yes. Um, and I don't want them to drive it into the ground like they do. Yeah, I think this is the first... In fact, I think you are right. I think this is the first parody. Because I think they've tried to do something vaguely like this before when they did the fucking Paranormal Activity one. Yeah. Um, But the jokes just weren't there. It wasn't very funny. It wasn't the, a good film. There's the other ones that are called Meet the Blacks. Yeah, which uh, is Fifty Shades of Black as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they've not been great. I think this is the first time I've literally watched her and gone, eh, this is fucking funny. Mm. And like, even like, I know obviously that I, I'm <coughs> older now and Scary Movie's quite old and Scary Movie back when it was released was hilarious. Now it's a little bit more ropey, but like you can still appreciate how funny as fuck that film was when it came out. And this did very much remind me of seeing that first Scary Movie. Yeah. That, Yeah. And the thing is, it doesn't skimp on the kills either. Oh, no, no, no. The Black has got some kills. really good kills in it as well. There's some great kills. And it's, like, legitimately scary at times as well. I think also, like, especially in America, not so much over here, but, like, the market in America, the marketing in America was, like, spot on. They had, obviously, all of the posters that reference all the different tropes when it comes to POC characters. Like, they, they referenced all of the, like, Jordan, like, all the jokes about, like, Jordan Peele and stuff were in the trailer... And then they released it on Juneteenth, like June 19th, which is like obviously for the black community a very important date. So it kind of gave gave that whole thing of like this is for the community because as Jordan Peele says and as a lot of people said, if you watch the horror noir documentary that's on Shudder, like black people and like POC, like they are horror fans. Mm. Like they want to go and see horror movies. Like they love horror movies. He's like, that's why they love people like fucking Candyman and stuff because there's characters that are like they can go and see and they can root for and they can like you know get involved as much as what everybody else does and they were like he was saying like it's such an untapped market so to see them fully embrace and then bring that audience in on the joke as well would be like but do it in a way that like not only is culturally significant but is also like really smart and funny Oh, yeah, it's fucking hilarious. Like, it is a really funny film. Yeah. Good good job, Tim Story. Good nice job, to, Story Boy. Nice to see you making good films again, sir. None of that fucking Rise of the Silver Surfer shit. What? <laughs> <laughs> Just see none of that Rise of the Silver Surfer shit. I mean, he's made like five movies since then. Yeah, like, none but... of them count. You've been, you've been getting rid of that Silver Surfer stank. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Um, what was your seven? <laughs> uh, knock, knock on the cabin. Knock at the cabin. I fucking love this movie, bro. I didn't watch it. Um, M Night Shyamalan back on that hot streak. Shyamalan, my boy's coming in hot. He's been making some good shit the last couple of years, and um, <clears throat> I haven't read The Cabin at the End of the World, which is the Paul Tremblay novel that this movie is based on. However, this movie. I guess some people would call it a thriller, psychological thriller, home invasion movie, horror film, like whatever you want to call it. 
I thought this movie was really tense. I thought this movie was really interesting. It not only like raises questions like all good horror movies do. It it puts you in that situation of like if if this happened to me, like what would I do? And it's about a couple, like uh Jonathan Groff and his husband and their son their daughter. Their daughter, sorry, in a cabin and like they get a knock on the door and like four people turn up, all like brandishing homemade weapons. Batista on his own would be like terrifying enough, but there's Batista, um, Ron Weasley, um, and then this, yeah, and then there's two other characters who I I don't really remember a huge amount about them, but yeah, they basically are like you know we are here to stop the apocalypse and you have to choose one of you has to die or everybody dies, and it's that kind of whole like thing of like because you're thinking about it from like the character's point of view of like if i was in this position like what would i do and it's like you start thinking now these people are fucking mental like they're crazy like they're religious zealots like this doesn't make any sense but then the more into the film you get and the more you start seeing the signs that like the apocalypse might actually be happening the more you start thinking oh shit like i'm gonna have to make a really tough decision and it's really tense and for once M. Night doesn't fumble the ending. I think the ending is slightly different to the book. Um, <laughs> and it's not a it's not a Shyamalan twist. However, I do think the ending of it is really interesting. And it's another one of those endings kind of similar to The Mist, where you're like, a couple of minutes later, and this could have happened. And like, you know, this whole thing could have been completely different. But yeah, it had me gripped all the way throughout. I think Batista's fucking terrifying in it. But then I think he's fucking terrifying anyway. Like, he's just a very large man. He is a very large um, man. And there's a great... Because M. Night loves cameo in his own movies. There's an ama- He has an amazing cameo in this where they're watching TV and they're flicking through the channels and they land on, like, one of those QVC channels and he's fucking selling air fryers. And it's fucking brilliant. I love it. I literally turned into the Rick Dalton meme in the cinema. I was like, ah, I'm a man selling air fryers. There he is. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Knock of the Cabin, like, highly... Highly recommended. If if you guys think that Shyamalan's been running out of juice, now nah, I'm here to tell you, my man, my man is back. Okay. So yeah, get on that shit. Number six, six, one six, six seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah. That seems like where we're at. Uh, Haunted Mansion. <coughs> I fucking hated this garbage fucking film. This is all you. I really enjoyed Haunted Mansion. I thought it was super enjoyable. I thought it was really fun. And I think it got uh, dissed when it didn't deserve to be dissed, in all honesty. They released it at the wrong fucking time of year. They released it at the wrong time of year. It should have been a Halloween movie. It definitely should have come out around Halloween. Uh, it didn't, which was stupid. Uh, but I thought it was really... I'm a huge fan of the original Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy in it. Yeah, I only saw that movie like a couple of years I know ago. I did. First time. Uh, I really enjoyed right. that. So I was kind of looking forward to them doing what is essentially a not sequel, but it's also not a reboot because it's not the same story. It's a different story, but it's not a sequel. Mm-hmm. But it is. Yeah. Um... I honestly, I thought it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it had a great cast. It was never going to be absolutely terrible because it did have a really great cast behind it. Um, 
and I just I honestly thought it was really I so you have these great long monologues about why you think films are good and there's just me sat in the corner going I just thought it was good because I thought it was fun and I enjoyed it I would love to know how much money Jared Leto got paid for this movie because he's fucking not in it he's his picture is in a painting um, and that's about it he provides the voice for the hat ghost. Yeah. I don't know if he did any of the motion capture for it. I don't think it. he did. And he didn't do the fucking press tour. So... You know. I would love to know. Like uh, he... he probably got paid stupid money for it as well. Yeah. You know he's going to be in the new Tron movie. Uh, Tron I Ares. I fucking cannot stand him. Um, there goes all my enthusiasm for one of my favourite franchises out the window. Yeah. All uh, I enjoy that. I don't like Jared Leto um, at all. I... <sighs> See, the thing is, like... The Haunted Mansion's one of those weird ones. Like, I am aware of the Haunted Mansion, the attraction. I've only ever been to Disneyland once in my life, and I don't think I actually went on the Haunted Mansion. So I have no affinity for the Haunted Mansion attraction. I know it's one of Disney's most popular attractions, um, and I know that there's a certain singer in a certain band from a town not that far away from here who uh, is is very, very obsessed with the Haunted Mansion. Um, But... I I also don't really think you need to know anything about the rides to oh God, no. either enjoy or not enjoy the film. No. I just thought it was one of those films that like it just felt like Disney were like you know like you know like every now and then like a film studio will be like, What IP do we have? Oh, we haven't made one of these in a while. Mm. And I was like, the Eddie Murphy movie is like perfectly serviceable. See, I like the Eddie like, Murphy movie, movie, but this film for me, A, I really like the Keith Stanfield. I enjoy him in this. I think he's fantastic. Uh, I really... I like the fact that they dealt with loss a lot more directly in this because, mm-hmm. like, the the major plot point of this is that he has lost his wife. Yeah, yeah. And, like, his true love. Yeah. I also love that they fully went, have ghosts, have a haunting, also have a side of found family because there's nothing I am weaker for than a good fucking found family plot. you got Owen Wilson going, oh, ghost in the house, ka-chow. Ka-chow. Hello, um, key. I heard a ghost in the house. Could you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really love you. Honestly, they're the weirdest bunch of characters to, to stick together. Um, let's be honest, it's a strange group of people. And they literally went, yeah, have a nice, fun, fun Haunted Mansion movie. Also, have this lovely side of found family where Lakeith Stanfield becomes like a father figure to this poor kid who lost his dad. And you've got the grumpy uncle. And then you've also got the kind of grumpy, like, older grandpa figure in Danny DeVito. I also don't understand why Disney may spent so much money on a Haunted Mansion adaptation eight months after they'd already released the best one on their streaming servers anyway. Because they did the Muppets Haunted Mansion, which came out they did the, last The Muppets Halloween, Haunted Mansion was very which is fun. fucking amazing. Darren Chris is in it. He is. Fucking love me some Darren it's Chris. It's fucking great. It's wonderful. It's got, isn't it Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No, no. Who's think. who's the main through line? Is it Darren Chris? Like, yeah. Darren Chris isn't the main guy in it, is he? I can't remember. I watched it since it came out. It was good though. But I, do you know what? I would rewatch it. I'd also rewatch this version of the Haunted Mansion because I'm pretty sure Miss Piggy's the like head in the the ball and yeah. Madam Madam Jennifer Tilly. Madam Jennifer Tilly. Madam also, Jamie Lee Curtis. Also, bonus points. They had fucking Jennifer Tilly. No, she's the Eddie Murphy one. This one's Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, sorry. Apologies. My brain. I'm pretty sure it. it's Miss Piggy. That would make sense. Yeah, I, I think it remember, is. I think but... you are correct. It is Miss Piggy. Who plays? I can't think what her name is. Madam. 
Larie or Larue or Lara or La 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 La. La 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 La. It's like some New, or- New Orleansian name. Yeah. Uh, but I can't think for the life of me what it is. But no, I just thought it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And honestly, I'd go back and rewatch it in a heartbeat. I thought it was a really delightful movie. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it just made me happy. And I feel like that's all I look for in any films is did I enjoy it and did it make me happy at the end of the day? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it did actually. I didn't think it was scary. Uh, I did, but it's not supposed to be. I just found it like, I found it like a lot of these types of movies where they're like, hey man, we're going to do like a family movie for kids and we're just going to make everything CGI. It's kind of one of my main issues with the Goosebumps movie. Like, I love the Goosebumps movie, the first one, not the second one, but, like, I don't like the fact that everything is CGI. Mm. I'm just like, come on, man. Let's just make more movies like The House of the Clock of the Walls. That is a good film. Yeah. I always show number six. <laughs> Saw X. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go! Um, yeah, so Saw Numero 10. I enjoyed the fuck out of this movie. Um, it's been a long time since we had a enjoyable Saw movie. I say that as someone who likes all of the Saw movies to some degree, less so Spiral, but this is probably my favourite Saw movie since 6, and 6 came out like 2009, so it's been like... 14 years since we had a Saw movie that I genuinely was like, that was fucking great. As much as I like Jigsaw, I think Jigsaw's great. Um, You know, they brought Tobin Bell back. They brought Shawnee Smith back. They set it between the first one and the second one. Uh, They strip it all the way back to basics. You know, really fucking gnarly traps. You get to see John, like, at a really interesting point in his life. Um, They kind of do a little bit too much to make him heroic almost in this which i wasn't like it's almost like you know he's he's the hero of his own story a bit in this one um and i wasn't really down with that in certain scenes however as a lifelong saw fan and as someone who committed billy billy the puppet or as i like to call him william t puppet to his arm via the medium of tattoo this year um i left the cinema Kind of excited. I'm like, look, man, I need Saw 11. Like, I need to see what, how you follow on the story from Saw 7. Because we've had three movies since Saw 7. And I still have no idea what the fuck happened at the end of that movie or where we're going. So let's pick up some of those threads. But if they want to keep bringing like, my man Jiggy Saw back, I'll, I'll keep watching them. I don't know what else to say. It's the 10th Saw movie. Like, I just, I enjoy this shit. Okay. It's good. Uh, number five. Number five? Number five. Yeah. Yeah, we're on five. Uh, my number five is a Scream 6. Not on my list. No, I know it's not. You didn't enjoy this one very much. I did. I think this one was quite fun. Uh, but I'm also not uh, precious about the Scream franchise. Hey, who's precious about the Scream franchise? You. Am I? Yeah. What, whatever gave it's that one impression? one of your favourite franchises it's not, like, it's not like I'd go out and get a Scream tattoo or anything. No. You would never do that. You'd never get ghost face tattooed on you. That'd be insane. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> you did that. It's just um, to love Jack Quaid. No, I really like Scream 6. I thought it was fun to see um, ghost face kind of <coughs> in New York. Kind of. Ghost face takes Manhattan. Um, ghost face is in Canada disguised as New York. <laughs> yeah. 
Don't know why. Um, tax breaks. Tax breaks. But no, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was quite fun. I thought the ghost face in this was like legitimately mean. Mm-hmm. Like he was super mean spirited. There was no like normally like they're a little bit harsh, but like the films are still you know a little bit light hearted and silly. Like this film is dark and it's grotty and Ghostface is super mean spirited. Um, and also it's the first time I remember watching a screen movie a that doesn't place take place. Like I know um, two, three, and. No, four's back in... One, four, and five are in Woodsboro. Yeah. But two and three aren't, but they're not really anywhere specific, if that makes sense. It's not like they're in New York. They're just at, like, a university campus. Um, or they're on a film set. Well, three's meant to be in LA, isn't it? It's meant to be in But Hollywood. he's never around LA. He's on a film set or at someone's house. Like, this film, he's legitimately running around New York. And it's also the first ghost face that I remember who starts killing people, like, indiscriminately. Yeah. Of, like, they're not even involved in what is going on. Like, they're just people on there, like, in the shop. Yeah. Who gets killed just because they get in his way. He he is more of a menace to the people of New York just walking the streets on a daily basis than Billy Eichner. That is very true. Mm, is it? I feel like Billy Eichner is more of a menace, to be honest. Mate, I swear to God, <laughs> if Billy Eichner came up to me and was like, name three women, and I'd, or Ghostface put a shotgun in my face, I'd choose getting shot. I'd choose getting like a... show, shot, definitely. Um, but no, because like, I, I really like that. I know, I, I do know it's a, a big bone of contention of like it being in New York and him being kind of a bit more of just a, a straight up, you're in my way, I will kill you kind of killer but i really like that i enjoyed the plot i think some of the kills in this are super mean-spirited the ladder death oh yeah is really horrible and also it is my favorite cold open from a screen movie since the first screen movie Mm. the cold the opening kill sequences i guess technically yeah in this i was sitting in the cinema and watching the first kill and then watching Jason take his mask off. And I literally put my arm on you and just Spoilers went. if you haven't seen Scream 6, by the way. Also, like, I said, like, whatever. I know, but still. It doesn't really matter. He's not Ghostface. So, I mean, he is, but he's not Ghostface. Uh, but I remember leaning across, like, basically hitting your arm and just going, Because <gasps> that's never happened. And obviously, like, it doesn't really matter because he's not the Ghostface of the film. But I am being so surprised in the cinema when that happened. <laughs> Literally straight up hitting you. <laughs> yeah. So what happens when surprising things happen in cinemas. I just start whacking Simon's arm like, babe, babe. You put up with that way too much. <clears throat> yeah, considering I hate people fucking talking in the cinema. And like... Oh, yeah, no. He is really aggy. Even if I start talking during the trailers, I get told off. It's not, it's not the fact that you're talking through the trailers. It's the volume. There we go. There we go. But I also uh, can't control my volume because I can't hear how loud I am because I'm losing hearing in both of my ears. Well, just get a pen and a piece of paper and write it. Like <laughs> no, because then you'll be annoyed that I'm distracting you with a written thing in front of your face. Just, there's just, no winning. Just, just there's no. Just winning. embrace the magic of cinema. Fuck off. Um, but yeah, so there we go. My number five, Scream Six. Yeah, didn't make my list this one. Um... Just skip to your number five, babe. We don't need to hear you bitch about another film that I love. No, I, was, I wasn't going to bitch about it. I was just like... I remember we saw it twice, opening weekend, and then we reviewed it. And I remember 
having the opposite kind of feelings to when we saw five. Because when we saw five, I was like, I didn't really like it. And then the more I watched it, the more I liked it. Whereas with six, I was a bit like, yeah. And then I've bought it on Blu-ray and I've watched it once since. But I never feel myself wanting to watch it. Mm. Like, and I don't know what it is about Scream 6. I don't know if it's maybe that they got it out so soon after five. And like five hadn't really had a chance to sink in. But then I was just a bit like... There's just nothing about this movie that's making me want to rewatch it. Um, and yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame to not have a Scream movie on my list because I think when we did Scream 5, it was very high on my list of like films from last year. But yeah, there's just something... I think there's just something missing about Scream 6 that made me just not want to put it on my list. But, you know, I I give thanks for you to you for putting it on your list. And I give thanks for my number five. Oh, fuck's sake, this film. Thanksgiving, motherfucker. Turkey time. Gobble, gobble. Um, yeah, Thanksgiving. Eli Roth is back, motherfuckers. Uh, I enjoyed the fuck out of this movie. I went to go and see this movie on a random Wednesday afternoon. And there were two other people in the cinema because two people walked out five minutes into this movie and never returned. Um, yeah, like for those of you that know the story, Grindhouse 2007, Tarantino, Rodriguez, fake trailer... You know, Eli Roth's been threatening to make this movie for a long fucking time. And, you know, 16 years later, here we are. The glorious fruit of his labours. Uh, another holiday slasher. We've got a little fucking pilgrim dude running around with an axe, killing people. Uh, this movie was great. It had some really interesting kills. And as I said when I went to see it, I put a post on Instagram. And I was like, this movie just reminded me of, like, every shitty, gimmicky, 80s fucking slasher movie that I love. Happy birthday to you, April Fool's, graduation day, terror train, all that shit. Um, yeah, and like, they do some really, really fucking mad bonkers stuff in this that you're just like, I can't believe I'm watching this movie in like 2023. And I feel like it's it's like rejuvenated, like Eli Roth, he wants to do more cabin fever movies, more hostile movies. You know, they've already greenlit a sequel for this, which is coming out in like fucking 2025. Um just a really old school, nasty, grimy, fucking horror movie, like slasher movie. And yeah, I fucking loved it, bro. And it's set in Boston. So everybody talks like this. And uh, it has a Misfit song in the fucking end credits as well, which is glorious. Because you know how much I love a Misfits movie. But yeah, Thanksgiving's a weird one because it's not a thing in the UK. It's weird because we don't celebrate Thanksgiving in the UK, but they don't mind having Black Friday in the UK, which I think is fucking weird. Um, I don't know when the UK started adopting Black Friday, but not adopting like Thanksgiving uh, commercialism. But there you go. Uh, yeah. So my number five was the gloriousness, excuse me, of Thanksgiving. And your number four is... My number four is uh, Brooklyn 45. I didn't watch it. No, I know you didn't. Uh, Metal Hammer put this on their top ten horror films of the year, though. Oh, did they? Did you, did you and my boy Matt Mills link up? Me and Matt Mills, we had a little catch-up. We were both like, so like Brooklyn 45, how are you feeling about it? Uh, so this was one of those ones I was like, it was on Shudder. I had a couple of hours to kill uh, during my last week at work where I wasn't actually doing any work. And I was just randomly scrolling my mouse every so often. <clears throat> um, and I was like, do you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to watch it. Uh, it's a seance movie with ex 
military officers set after the Second World War. And I was like, do you know what? We'll see how it is. This movie is so fucking unexpected. It starts out exactly as it's sold to you. So it is a seance. It is... There's five ex... Uh, military agents after the second world war um one of them whose house they're at his wife has just passed away uh she uh took her own life and they decided to do a seance he talks into doing a seance to try and contact her and the seance ends with him killing himself okay and then his german next door neighbor falls out of the cupboard where he's been holding her hostage oh shit yeah and then the rest of the film, up until maybe like the last 25, 30 minutes, is them trying to figure out whether or not she is in fact a Nazi spy or if their friends had started to go insane and were seeing Nazi spies everywhere. What the fuck? Yeah. So why do you get into it again? Fun seance movie. And they were like, no, surprise. It's about traumatic war experience and PTSD. Because the guy who plays Jacob and Jacob's wife's in it. I think he's like the main guy. Yes. Um, movies by Ted Geohagen, is that right? Uh, yes, I believe Who's so. Who's partly responsible for Satanic Panic. I believe you could be correct on that front. Uh, but it's a really unexpected movie and it was not what I was anticipating going into it. So I'd kind of gone into it going, it'll be background noise, like I might enjoy it, I'm not really expecting much from it. And then, yeah, it was the minute the girl fell out of the wardrobe, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Mm. And it really goes off off where you're not expecting it to go. And you kind of find out... It's kind of about being haunted by what you've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these are people who went through the Second World War and you kind of find out a lot, a lot about each of them and what they were doing during the war and what, they're, like, what they feel guilty for, what they're proud of for doing during the Second World War. And, yeah, it's a really interesting film and it's a really hard get-through because it touches on, you know, some of the horrific things that do happen during war and stuff that, you know, Allied soldiers did. Yeah. And, you know, things like, you know, uh, you know, mass genocide and things like that. Uh, The accidental massacring of, like, children... And it takes a really dark turn. It does go through some like really heavy subject matter. Like you're not like if you watch the trailer, even you're not expecting it because the trailer shows you all of the more hauntingy stuff, mm. which does happen. Like there's hints to the fact that there is ghosts throughout the film, and like the record player keeps going off. There's one point where they open the doors to try and escape, and there's like a portal to hell. Okay. Um, so they're trapped in this room. And it is, it's like a single location. And it's very, very, very tense. And I would highly recommend if people have a shudder and can watch it, give it a go. I do think it might be, it. it the, the film they, it sells you on is not the film that it gives you. But I think the film that it gives you is far more interesting than the film that they sell you on. Not gonna lie, mate. I saw the picture of it on Shudder, and I thought it was like some fucking frightening shit. It sells it like it's a horror comedy. The trailer sells it kind of like it's a horror comedy as well. Hmm. Uh, it's not. There are some funny bits in it. Don't get me wrong. Like there is some moments where you do kind of laugh, 
but it's a really it's a really dark film but not in the way you anticipate it being a dark film mm. uh but no i would highly recommend it i really i honestly really enjoyed it nice mm. good brought the tone down on that one so guys oh don't worry i'm about to just you're about to drop the tone on the basement. Ruin everyone's day. Excellent. Uh, what num- is your number four? <clears throat> the Outwaters. I have no idea what the fuck that is. Uh, be thankful. Excellent. Um, so this is a movie that was one of those hyped movies that came out like towards the beginning of the year, like played at a bunch of festivals, like last year, year before, or maybe just last year, and um, it came out like. February, March time, and it came straight to VOD over here. It did do a few film festivals over here, but it's found footage. Um, but it's such a fucking weird film, and it's another one of those films, kind of like Skinnamarink, where you have to fill in the gaps yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, it does this really sneaky thing, like a bunch of like found modern found footage movies do, like The Sacrament does this, where I'm watching it, and I'm like, these cameras look too good. Like, Why does this look like a professionally made film? But the the workaround for it is that this group of friends is going to the Mojave Desert to make a music video. So obviously the cameras that they have with them are like professional like music video cameras, and they're like camping in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Is it Mojave Mojave? I don't know how you fucking say it. And then stuff starts going weird. So like they start hearing these noises, and then they're out in the dark, and then there's like sections of the film where it's just like pitch black. And you can just hear like a a noise and it sounds like something's attacking them and you can hear them screaming and then like a light flickers on and you could just see like blood splatters. But you never actually see what they're being attacked by or if they're actually being attacked or if they're just freaking out or so it's all kind of like left up to your imagination. And there's a couple of things that it does where it pulls some of the same tricks as what the Blair Witch reboot from 2016 does, which I won't spoil for people because there's one plot point about halfway through the movie that completely changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, a very similar plot point to what Blair Witch 2016 does. So if you've seen that movie, you might have an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, but it's all about kind of like the power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, there's there's glimpses of like, oh, fuck, was that a tentacle? Like, fuck, was that like, was that a coyote? Was that a bear? Like, is that a demon? Like, but you don't know because a lot of the stuff takes place in the dark. You never really see... You're getting, like, glimpses yeah. and, like, little... And there's, like, there's like really ominous sounds. There's, like, audio stuff, like, visual stuff. And it's really disorientating because it's about this group of friends that, like, slowly get separated. They start losing their mind, They're like, in the middle of the desert. It's very obvious that something is attacking them, but you don't know whether it's, like, something that's actually in the desert, something demonic, whether it's, like something as simple as like a coyote because the more into it they get the more into the film that they get the less that you as an audience see and the less the characters see so like you know you'll just you'll be like the guy here with the camera and all you can hear over here is like your friend screaming and then like it's suddenly light and like your friend is dead and you don't know like what attacked them whether they were attacked like whether it's coming to attack you and like it has this really fucking like downbeat ending so it's like it's kind of like this weird like Blair Witch descent like kind of fucked up but like a lot of it because you don't see anything really or like the things that you do see are like not enough 
for you to for your mind to really piece together what it is you just kind of sit there and go this is a fucking nightmare and it was it was really grim again not a movie i'm going to watch very often but one of those movies that you're kind of just like like with all fan footage movies you start off going ah man these people are all a bunch of fucking pricks like i want them all to die and then the more you get into it the more you're like nah 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 get the fuck out of desert bro like nah 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 um but yeah it's it's interesting Okay. My number three. On to my number three. Uh, my number three is uh, a film I believe you enjoyed. I don't know if it made it onto your list. Uh, but my number three is Tony Killer. Didn't make it on my list. No? No. Oh, surprise. I thought you enjoyed it. Um, so we watched Tony Killer, the love child of the guy who made Happy Death Day and Freaky. He didn't make it. But he made like Happy Birthday <coughs> and Freaky. No. What? I thought it was the same man. No. It just looks like it. Oh, I so, honestly, so, I was honestly convinced it was the same man who made Happy so, Birthday and Freaky. So Michael Kennedy, who wrote Freaky, wrote It's a Wonderful Knife, which came out this oh. year, and Chris Landon, who directed both, made We Have a Ghost, the movie with David Harper. Ah, uh, Harper. Not Harper. 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 That's what I said. You said Harper. Harper. He said Harper, but sure. David Boat Dock. Um, yeah, no, totally killer. It was alright. I really enjoyed this. I wasn't expecting enjoying it. I kind of had gone into it with a blasé, well, if we must, kind of attitude. Uh, and this film was weirdly fucking fun. I mean, it it was good in a, I, uh, I'd like to wish all the freaky final girls a happy death day. Uh, kind sure. of vibe. It, sure. It's very similar to all three of those movies. Oh yeah, 110%. But it works. And the fact that it's like those films make it work even more. And I like, I really like some of the set pieces from this. I love that they managed to do a bunch of like general horror uh, cliches and still make it enjoyable. Uh, the Cabin in the Woods section of this film is fucking delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing and the killer is great. I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super fun. There's not really much you can say about it. It's a fun time travel slasher movie. It's fucking Final Girls meets... Mm. Happy Death Day. No, it was another film I wanted to reference. I can't for the life of me think what film it was. There was... Oh, um, the... The one... Sleepover Massacre. Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mod, the re- the remake, yeah, yeah, the, original. the, the Danish, but it, it's one. it's kind of like uh, Slum Party Massacre meets Final Girls, uh, and it's so much fun. It's just it's the kind of it's the kind of film, and it's the thing I'll say about films like this quite often. It's the kind of film I'd happily put on in the background and just leave running, glance up every so often, be like, "What's happening? Oh, blood, blood, murder, death, fun." Back to what I was doing. I love the time travel element. I thought the time travel element was really fun. I think it they they did it far better than other films have tried to do it. I feel like this movie is what Happy Death Day to You should have been, mm-hmm. and it's not. Uh, this was much better. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was a really fun film. I don't really have much else to say. I just really enjoyed it. It was silly, and it had Charles Gillespie in it, which I didn't know until we started watching it. I was like, "Oh, hey, babes. I also like the handsome man 
mask, killer mask as well. The mask's really fun. Yeah. Well, that kind of looks a bit like Max Headroom. Yes. It's kind of interesting. But yeah, I thought it was. I, th- I, th- I thought it was all right. It was. <clears throat> let's put it this way: of the four Blumhouse movies that I saw this year, it was the best one. Yeah. Because The Exorcist did not make me a believer. I don't know how many times you're going to make that joke. It's still not funny. <laughs> I had I had way too many nights at Freddy's. Mm-hmm. And I did not enjoy M3 again. No. Um, yeah, I thought Tony Killer was alright. It was it was a pretty serviceable film. I mean, there's some ropey CGI in it. But yeah, it was, it was a it decent was good. film. I enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. fine. I also like that at the end you find out that the her mum's friend... Her friend's mum mm-hmm. um, remembers her. Yeah. From back in the 80s. And they have like that little bonding moment at the end of the movie. I got love for you if you were born in the 80s. Yeah. Calvin Harris, right? Calvin Harris? I have no idea. <laughs> What's your number three? Uh, suitable Flesh. Come on now. Mm. Directed by Joe Lynch. Director of Mayhem. Which is a great film. Mayhem is a good film. Um, based on Lovecraft story. Uh, he basically just picks up where Stuart Gordon left off. So if you like From Beyond or Reanimator, or if you like, uh, you know, I like neither of those. Films. If you like soft core porno movies, I don't um, and creepy horror, this is a good. Uh... And when I say soft core porn, I'm talking about those kind of movies. You know, those kind of movies that you put on at like half past midnight, and it's like it's got kind of a plot, but then you know somebody will get their boobs out, and you know, like there's a like a weird soft core sex scene, and it's like. This woman's lover's husband's Jezebel's cat's friend is wanted for murder. And then you get all like the fucking saxophone in the background. I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty I've never seen any of those films. Um and then yeah, so it's it's basically kind of like a spiritual successor to things like From Beyond and Reanimator. And you know, I think Stuart Gordon at one point was gonna direct this. Uh, and then obviously he sadly passed away. Joe Lynch is a fucking madman. Uh, he's fucking tremendous, like, as we know from, like, Mayhem. Uh, Judah Lewis is in this. Heather Graham's in this. Auntie Barbara's in this. Um, oh. It's this weird, like, possession-y, like, sexual, erotic, like, cosmic horror film. And it just feels like a weird movie that's, like... It feels like somebody dug this movie up and they went... So this film studio made this movie like back in like nineteen eighty three and it's been on a shelf for like forty years. Like, should we release it? And somebody went, Yeah, fuck it, release it. And then that's kind of what this movie feels like. Um I had a I had a fucking blast of this movie. Like I uh, you know, it got if you listen to our earlier episodes, we did Reanimator and From Beyond yeah, within like our first four or five episodes. We did um, one of them and then the other one I I still to this stage refer to as Cat Dead. Reanimator of the two, I think Reanimator is the, probably the least interesting. I I think there are moments in From Beyond where I'm like, this is an interesting film. Like this is good. Yeah. Like I will say, this one Barbara keeps the top on, so there is that. Um, Heather Graham not so much, but uh, I tell you what is funny. While they were promoting this, James A. Janice does a new podcast now about people's dreams, and I saw a clip of it the other day. They had Joe Lynch and Barbara Crampton on there. And Barbara Crampton was sat next to him uh, telling Joe Lynch about how she'd had a sex dream about him recently, which I thought was really fucking funny. Um, but yeah, it's just a really weird kind of erotic horror porno thriller type Lovecraft 
film. Okay. If you like, if you like eighties horror or hentai, you'll probably enjoy it. Do you know what's really disappointing is how much I hate uh, From Beyond and because you like one. Jeffrey Combs. Well, not even that because I would quite like a tattoo that says "Cat Dead Explained Later." And I'm like, I literally cannot because it's a direct reference to a film that I fucking hate. Mm-hmm. But I love that line so much. I also I also do love how often Jeffrey Combs comes up on the podcast. We've covered like... Well, he has... To be fair, I do quite like Jeffrey Combs. But they... You know, it's the, it's oh, yeah. the reanimated line, the cat dead, explain later. Yeah. Uh, post-it note. And Will that's... forever live in my brain. That's what I refer to <laughs> reanimator as. Like, when I'm like, you know the film, the cat dead... Explain later film, and so I was like, "You mean Reanimator?" I'm like, "Yeah, that one." <laughs> and and it's the and it's the film uh, that we did so early on in the podcast that the and the cat was thrown off screen joke came from that's become like a running joke throughout <laughs> throughout our life. Do- that and, and the animals video by Ice Nine Kills, where <laughs> the dog the dog is thrown off from screen. off screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but it does make me sad because I would, I honestly would love to just get it hidden somewhere on my body, just have a tattoo that says "Cat Dead Explain Later" hmm. in like the handwriting. But I'm like, I hate that film, and I'd have to explain to people, no, you don't. I don't like the film. It's a direct reference just to that line because that line makes me chuckle. Hmm. I might do it. I might do it when I get my because I want to go. I want to get a, what are you going to do with those pies, boys tattoo. Hmm. And I might get it at the same time. And just if anyone asks, I'll be like, it's just a line I really love that makes me chuckle whenever I think of it. I hate the film, but this is fun to me. Yeah, I, I'm always... It wouldn't be the weirdest tattoo I had, to be no, honest. No, like, I'm always sad that I don't like Reanimator more. But I I liked this. I thought this was great. And I think that's mainly down to the cast being, like, super game. And, you know, it's just a weird fucking erotic thriller porno horror film. Fair which, enough. You know, always good stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah. Talking about weird er- erotic pornos, uh, my number two is uh, Into the Vampire. I've just figured out what your number one is. Yeah, I knew you'd get there in the end. Uh, my number two is Into the Vampire. It would have been number one had I not seen number what my number one is because I do think it's a it's a better show. <coughs> um, but let's be honest, there was no way for anyone who doesn't know it only came out in the UK this year. BBC got it what three four months ago. Not even that. Three, four weeks Three, ago, four five weeks, weeks ago. ago. Six weeks ago. They got it recently. It exists in the UK now. I sat my ass down. I watched it. And I had a lot of feelings going into this. I was kind of a little bit iffy about the fact they changed some of the, you know, the who's, what's, where's, why's and when's of things. I wasn't too fast on the actor they'd cast as Lestat. Um, but. I have to say, it is wildly enjoyable. I really loved it. I think the chemistry between the leads is really great. Uh, they do everything you could want them to do. They do add extra bits in. Uh, they introduce a few characters that don't actually get introduced until far later into the books. Um, I don't want to say anything in case, like, anything too much in case people haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I honestly do think it's a really good adaptation of Anne's work. I think, I know, I think Joe was quite, Joe? Chris. Chris. Joe Hill. Wrong horror author. Um, Chris was still quite heavily involved in it, I believe. Uh, I do think he did his mum proud. Um, I think she would have liked the show and I think she would have appreciated the changes that got made. Uh, there's not much I'm going to be able to say about it without getting upset because Anne Rice is no longer with us so I'm not going to dwell on it for too long 
but no, my number two is the vampire, and I don't think anyone will be shocked by that having me spoke, having heard me speak about Anne Rice for what, the past three years now. <coughs> there was never a chance that that wasn't going to be on my list, and in all honesty, Mayfair, which is probably would have also made my wit list, but it only came out today. Over here today, mm. Did, was it dropped on BBC this today? week? This week, I've not had time to watch it yet, so I can't really, I can't really speak to uh, Mayfair Witches, but just know that if I had watched it, more than likely it would have been it, that would have been my two and three would have been those two shows. So I get the fortune of telling you what my number two and what Lee's number one is <laughs> because they are the same thing. So my number two is Lee's number one. I know this, and I, di- I, di- I can't believe that I didn't know that we would have one thing that crossed over. But I'm going to say this with a lot of confidence. My number two and Lee's number one are Barbie by Greta Gerwig. Oh, shit. Mine was It's a Wonderful Knife. Nobody's favourite movie this year <laughs> was It's a Wonderful Knife. I cannot believe I delayed making this episode by a week so we could watch that. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, that was a lie. It's uh, Renfield. God, that movie sucked. Uh, yeah, my number two is the Netflix original series, The Fall of the House of Mike Flanagan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about this one for a bit? Uh, I don't think there's much I can say that we haven't already covered. We did do an episode on it. Well, we did half an episode, we did half on, episode it. on it. <laughs> uh, this show is a fucking masterpiece. Uh, I'm a huge Poe fan, so this was always going to be a lot of tick boxes for me. I, everything by Flanagan I've seen, I've really enjoyed. I like his pacing. I love how he writes and I like how he paces things out. Uh, I like that he he does the what I'm going to refer to as the American Horror Story of it all and he tends to work with the same cast. The Rob Zombie of it all. The Rob Zombie of it all. The American Horror Story of it all. Whatever <coughs> you want to call it. Uh, because the cast that he has managed to gather around him to make his projects are insanely amazing. Uh, They're all fantastic. And they work just as well in this as they would in anything else. Uh, One delightful thing that came from this was watching uh, Rahul Corley fucking freak out on Instagram with him meeting Mark Hamill. That was a big moment for him. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Um, that was a huge moment because uh, I follow him on Instagram so that was quite fun to just watch him completely melt down man brings me joy um, but no it's just a great fucking show and I think anyone who hasn't seen it A what the fuck are you doing with your time and B stop listening to this now and go fucking watch War of the House of Usher because it is fantastic and I have nothing else to say except fuck you Flanagan <laughs> fuck you um, I think it's not a secret how much I I'm a Flanagan for Flanagan. Love Mike Flanagan. I don't think there's anyone out there doing horror like him right now. You're um, correct. I think in years to come, like he will be talked about in the same breath as people like Wes Craven and uh, Alfred Hitchcock, and you know a lot of these other famous. My, sorry. My brain for a second when you started saying Alfred then was like, why are you bringing up Alfred Molina? That's a really weird comparison. Continue. Um, you know, I think I think he's been doing such good work for nearly a, well, nearly a decade now. And 
the the great thing about Mike Flanagan is um, he knows how to scare audiences, but he also knows how to make you invested in characters. You know, a lot of people think that horror is about just scaring people and just like jump scares or gore or... But no, it's all about well-written characters and developing relationships with characters. So when the bad things happen, you you, you care about the characters. And I think this is why Mike Flanagan's work is best in the medium of films. Not films, TV series. Is, because you have those six, seven, eight episodes to like develop those relationships, to like really get to know those characters. So when the horror starts to creep in, like you start to feel for those characters you start to like wonder and you start to think about you know what's happening next and like the 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 bad things when they come really really hit you as an audience not to say that his work in films isn't also good like i think doctor sleep's one of the greatest horror movies of the last fucking 10 years um but i think there's something really magical about the fall of house of usher because he essentially takes all of like edgar Allan poe's most famous works and remixes them into like a TV series, which not only works with an interconnected narrative over its eight episodes, but it eight episodes or ten episodes, eight episodes, eight. But it also manages to like have its own anthology of like each episode being related to a specific Edgar Allan Poe novel. So you get an anthology story inside of a like serialized TV show, and it's just really fucking well written and. It has everything that you would expect from him. Stellar performances, incredible writing, brilliant monologues, like really horrific gore and consequences. And, you know, it's one of those things like, I don't think we've watched a Mike Flanagan show yet where we haven't watched the whole, outside of Midnight Club, where we haven't watched the whole thing in like two days. And mm, Yeah, because we normally do half one day and then we'll go yeah. to bed, get out the next. We do over a weekend normally. We'll start yeah. on Saturday, do half of it, go... Oh, that was heavy. We'll take a short break. We'll come back to it tomorrow. Yeah. And I think it's a real testament to him as a as a horror director. He's like one of the most patient people, I think, working in horror at the moment. And I think in years to come, he is he's going to be the person in 20 years time that kids will be studying in film class. They'll be looking at his shot composition, the way he like frames actors, the way he writes, the way he... Um, like draws you in and then subverts your expectations like it took me two episodes to realize what he was doing in this like i kind of had an inkling that every episode was going to be named after a story so it was going to be like focused on it but it took me a couple of episodes to really realize what he was doing and then when it clicked i was like this is fucking amazing like um i cannot say enough good things about mike flanagan and the i the idea of him doing a Dark Tower adaptation for Amazon, because he's now signed an exclusive deal with Amazon, um, is one of the most exciting things that I can think of that's happening in horror now. So, yeah, Fall of the House of Usher, one of the best horror things that I've seen all year. That's your show number one, my love. Uh, this should be fairly obvious, right? So my number one pick... For my favourite horror film of 2023, as I haven't mentioned it yet, Evil Dead Rise. Oh yeah, shit, of course. Kind of forgot that it came out this year. I even mentioned it <laughs> earlier and I'd already forgotten that it came out this year. Um, this was 
as I'm sure Lee will tell you, as I'm sure anyone within a five mile radius of me will have told you, was my most anticipated horror film for 2023. For those of you that know me, The Evil Dead is my all-time favourite horror movie. Uh, you guys can't see it, but over on the wall uh, in front of... Well, on the wall in front of us, I have a giant original one-shot uh, one sheet poster for the Evil Dead on on our on our wall in in our podcasting room. Um, I fucking adore the Evil Dead, and um, I was really excited about this film coming out. I really liked um, the direction that they were taking, taking it into like taking it out of a cabin in the woods, putting a family in danger. The whole high rise aspect of it. It looked like they were going to do something unique and something different with this franchise. Um, I was lucky enough to go to the UK premiere and see this movie two weeks before it came out. I got to meet Lee Cronin. As my darling wife and co-host will tell you, in our front room, I actually have a steel cheese grater signed by Lee Cronin, uh, which I got from that premiere. Um, I think I'm one of only a handful of people in the world that has a signed cheese grater from Lee Cronin, which I think is pretty cool. And I was the first person to get one. Um, so... I but I did the I did the dutiful thing. I saw the movie, loved it, and then I saw it when it came out on its normal release and saw it with a non-obsessed fan Evil Dead crowd just to see if like it was rose tinted glasses because I was at the premiere, because I met the director, because I made some friends at the premiere. Whether that impacted like did I actually like this film or was it just like the setting? And I went and saw it again and loved it. And I've seen it a couple of times since I've had it on Blu-ray. And yeah, I just think this movie is fucking great. Like, it takes the Evil Dead franchise in, like, a completely different direction. It expands the lore, the mythology. It pays homage to the original trilogy. Like, <coughs> it answers the question of, like, whether it's set in the same universe as, like, the original trilogy, Fede Alvarez's, like, reboot. Like... It just does so many things that just make my Evil Dead, like, fan brain just, like, pop. And, um, yeah, this is probably one of the most fun experiences I had in the cinema, like, all year. Like, just getting to, like, nerd out with, like, people who love the Evil Dead. And, like, you know, I nearly didn't go. Like, I almost talked myself out of going to the premiere. Like, you had to talk me into actually going. It is indeed. Um, and then, yeah... I, it was basically it was everything that I wanted from a horror movie. It was fun. It was gross. It was entertaining. It like you know retains the legacy of the thing that I love. You know it sets up the future of where this franchise goes next. Apparently they are going to make more. Bruce Campbell said in an interview that they are going to make more and they're going to make them every couple of years rather than them being a decade in between. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's not a huge amount else I can say about this one. It's the all I can say is it's the one franchise IP film that came out this year that didn't disappoint me, and uh, I even got you to watch a little bit of it. You did, um, you know, mommy's with the maggots now. Yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. I, I enjoyed it. I actually told Alyssa Sutherland, who plays uh, Ellie, the the mag the maggot mommy. Uh, that she fucking freaked me out. There's one scene in this where she walks out of a bathroom and she's like facing that way and she turns like that and I it just fucking shit my pants every time she does it. I just like I was like, you are a scary lady. 
Um, but yeah, I fucking love this. Is movie. that the one where her eyes move first? Yeah, so she kind of does that. So the camera's here, and she goes, and I'm just like, ah, yeah, not not a fan. But yeah, Evil Dead Rise, my number one fa- favorite film of 2023. So that's our list. That's our top ten list of the year 2023. Uh, got a lot of great stuff to look forward to in 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably some more franchise stuff. Uh, I don't, re- I don't really know what's coming out in 2024. I can't remember. What um, I know. There's a new Jordan Peele joint coming out. Uh, there's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out. There is, that's Which true. I'm very fucking excited about. There's probably like a bunch more franchise stuff that I have completely forgot about because franchises are going to keep on franchising. Um, but yeah, let us know what some of your favourite films of 2023 were. Uh, as always, guys, these are our personal lists. We're not saying these like are the best films, you know. These are just the films that we enjoyed the most. Uh, I'd love to know what you guys think. Come find us on social media. S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter slash X. So I'm Aaron Horror Fan, all lowercase, all one word on Tumblr and Instagram. By the time this episode goes live, Lee will have probably updated our Tumblr from the last episode. We can hope. Um, no promises. Uh, as always, guys, we will be back on Monday with our look at Resident Evil Raccoon City. That will be our next episode, which will be available Monday. And then we'll be back also next Friday uh, as we look at our Crossing the Stream on the 2008 miniseries Dead Set. So those will be your two episodes for next week as we roll on through December and we get ready to wind up this year. Um, but as always, guys, thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, what are you doing? Are you looking at what's happening coming out next year? Oh, no, oh. no, 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 it was a buffer, it was like, yeah. oh. As always, guys, stay spooky, stay safe, take care, bye-bye. Bye.